Hello and welcome back to the new person you. Now, I know what you're thinking. This is actually a new episode. Long promised. Long coming. We haven't published since February. Because honestly, guys, my life just got out of control for a while there. Between finals and working all summer. It wasn't a whole lot of free time. But we're back. And we should be back for good. Or, well, as for good as anything is. So, I have some announcements to start off. First of all, thank you for everyone who's still a subscriber after all this time. Somehow we're still getting pretty regular downloads, and this show uh, easily has way more downloads per episode than my sisters and my other podcast, Sci-Fi Sidebar, so um, awesome for you guys. Uh, thank you for still supporting kind of this show, and it's meager, meager episode count. So the other announcement is that we move over to Pinecast hosting. This is going to get posted in Pinecast and the old RSS feed, so... Um, if you have not yet resubscribed or check your RSS feed, make sure it says Pinecast. Um, if after the 19th, you don't, your RSS feed isn't updating right anymore, uh, look into that. And if you go on signifyingnothingnetwork.com before the 19th, you can see the new RSS feed. So our last announcement is that to kind of give back and make up for all this time that I took off, we are going to be releasing weekly now. Now, yeah. I did say that before, and I changed it to bi-weekly, and then I never did another episode. So, I'm only doing an episode every other week. I'm bringing on a friend of mine, a longtime friend and fan of the show, who got, has got me back into doing this again, named Billy, who will be alternating weeks with me. So, um, him and I will be releasing every other Monday, each of us, so you'll get an episode every Monday. And I'm going to focus more on the physics and the kind of mechanics of the galaxy and the universe, while Billy's going to work on mostly the kind of the interesting facets and what's kind of neat out there. You know, weird planets, interesting stars, just anomalies, things like that. It's going to be mostly Billy's area of expertise. So, back in February, the last episode I had, I announced the next episode topic, and that was galaxies. We're going to kind of explore them because I, I am going to come back and give you, answer all those questions you must have had after that episode, and go into what a galaxy is. So, without further ado... Galaxies, are they more than just hot air? So first of all, what is a galaxy? A galaxy is a collection of dust, gas, billions of stars, dark black holes, and dark matter and dark energy all woven into a nice bundle. These are formed because of the effects of gravity and how they interact. Gravity tends to have things clumped together because gravity works over interstellar distances. So, two things given enough time will eventually work their way closer, or at least go in and orbit it. That's how galaxies work. So what about our galaxy, though? Before we get into depth of the types of galaxies out there, how about us? When you look into the sky on a dark, dark night, and you see that swath of light across the sky, that's called the Milky Way. It's named the Milky Way because of the Greeks, as most of our things are. The Greeks called it the Galaxias Kiklos, or the Milky Circle. The Romans stole it and made their own thing. And today, we honor that by calling our galaxy the Milky Way, and we got the word galaxy from it as well. So how many are out there, though? We've talked about how we're one planet among several, and our sun is one among billions. Well, how many galaxies are though? there, though? There can't be that many, right? These massive things, they, there just can't be that many. The universe isn't that big, right? 
So scientists went out to discover just how many there are. They set the Hubble Space Telescope to stare at one single patch of space for 12 days, and they detected 10,000 galaxies. From this, they were able to extrapolate that there might be up to or exceeding 100 billion galaxies in the universe. Obviously, that's a very large number, and it just goes to show you just how big the universe is. All these galaxies come in basically every shape you can imagine, every color, every light amount, every material content. They are as varied as anything you can imagine, just based on what the prevailing elements are. So, how do these great giant frisbees in the sky come about? The prevailing theory is that when the universe was very young, there were many lumps of matter, which later clumped together to form galaxies, uh, uncreatively called the lumped matter theory. So these precursor lumps have actually been photographed by Hubble, especially in areas where we are kind of seeing galaxies start to form, or rather we're really looking back in time and seeing galaxies form. Uh, this theory actually postulates that many of the early galaxies, and definitely all of the largest, were spiral galaxies. But what exactly does that mean? Well, let's get into that. So, there are four primary types of galaxies. This is based on mostly their shape, as that's our best defining characteristic because it's very hard to get any sort of measurement of a galaxy at this distance. So, the first type we're going to talk about are elliptical galaxies. Uh, these are spheroid galaxies that appear to us to be oval disks because the three-dimensional object can only be seen in two dimensions from one vantage point. So they are made up of smooth light, right? They just look like a glowing block that, you know, kind of loses its brightness as you get farther out. They're pretty bland looking. Until you think about their scale. There are elliptical galaxies that are up to a million light years across. They are very much so the largest galaxies in the universe. They have a rating system which is based on just their shape. So E0 elliptical galaxies are basically perfect circles. Uh, we can estimate that the actual shape of the galaxy is just a sphere. Very boring and bland, not very exciting. E7 galaxies are very flat, so we can guess that they're probably looking like a disk and maybe even starting to look like spiral galaxies. When scientists have thought about the formation of galaxies, they've come to the conclusion that elliptical galaxies probably don't form straight from these precursor lumps of matter that we talked about in our primary theory. Most likely, they actually formed when two or more large spirals collided and formed a single larger galaxy. We're going to talk about galaxy collisions later, because that's the only way they really interact, and it's kind of very interesting and also terrifying, which is, well, if I had to come up with a tagline for the show, that would be it. So the next topic we're going to talk about are spiral galaxies. Now, spiral galaxies are made up of three components. You've got a nuclear bulge in the center, that very bright spot near the center. That's made up of your most ancient stars. The, the origins of the galaxy, the core part of it, that's where it's all focused. They're very close together, so to a lot of telescopes, they would appear to have no really differentiating lights. It's just a ball of light. It's like when you look at a light bulb, right, and you know what's glowing in an incandescent, you know the only thing glowing in the light bulb is that filament. Well, the whole bulb seems like the light's coming out of. It's a similar concept. The next part of the component is the disk. So when you look at a spiral galaxy, you see, you think of the, the nuclear bulge, and then the flat disk flying out from it. 
So that's a plane that is around the bulge that's made up of dust, gas, young stars like ours, and in other parts. The arms of the spiral galaxy will be on the disk. The next part of the spiral galaxy is the halo. So it's a loose spherical structure around the bulge and includes some of the disk, which contains old clusters of stars called globular clusters. Now, I know this kind of gets spits in the face of conventional spiral galaxy theories and ideas because you think of a spiral galaxy as being the bulge and a disk and that's it. Well, that's not quite true. That's just not how gravity works. So a sphere, a spherical structure will form around the bulge and not encompass the whole galaxy, but encompass much of it. And this contains, uh, so these contains your globular clusters that we talked about. So spiral galaxies are broken down into two types, two primary types. There are some subsets, but we're really not going to get into them. The first type is an ordinary galaxy. So not very creative. Uh, basically, the, like the Milky Way, the arms start at the center of the nuclear bulge and spiral out in those beautiful, graceful arcs. Your traditional spiral galaxy. Barred galaxies are different. They basically appear to have the nuclear bulge and then a bar of stars and dust and all that, the makings of a galaxy, across it with a bul with this bulge in the center of it. And then at the end of the bar are the arms. So the arms are separated and pushed out. It almost looks like a weapon from a bad ninja movie. They're very strange looking. Interesting, but strange. So the ordinary galaxies are designated by the term SA, or Sierra Alpha Galaxy, where bar galaxies are called the Sierra Bravos, SB galaxies. So not very creative, but there it is. Among these galaxies, specifically the ordinary spiral galaxies, there's an additional subset where basically you can have different numbers of arms in a spiral galaxy. Some of them have two, some of them have four. Typically, it's it's two or four just because of how the trick of gravity and galaxy formation works. We're not honestly very sure because galaxies form over millions and billions of years and you can't watch a galaxy form. So... That's why all these things are just theory. We've seen supernova. We've seen stars die. We haven't seen a galaxy form. The third type of galaxy are called lenticular galaxies. So they're kind of a, a weird group, and it's an intermediate between your E7, or your very flat elliptical galaxies, and your SA, or your ordinary spiral galaxies. So they tend to have a nuclear bulge and a very thin disk structure, but there's no spiral going on, right? They're missing those those very clear delineations of the spiral arms of a spiral galaxy. So they're designated as S0 galaxies. Basically, they're not really sure what's going on there. They're pretty round, so they are a zero from the elliptical scale, and they're kind of like a spiral galaxy, so they got the S from the spiral scale, but they're not the same thing. They're not a spiral galaxy or an elliptical galaxy. They're something else. So that is, again, lenticular galaxies. So the final type is your regular galaxies, right? Your catch-all term for this is a group of stars and matter and dust and all that that's really big, but not quite a galaxy with a specific shape. So they have two types. They have the IRR1 galaxies, which are made up of a lot of population one stars, which are basically just very young, very hot stars. They don't have a lot, tend to have a lot of very old stars because typically galaxies don't have old stars if they're irregular because 
our regular galaxies will eventually be eaten or form into a recognizable shape by the time they develop and become old enough. So that's why they don't really have older stars. The second type of irregular galaxies is the IRR2 galaxies. Who would have seen that coming? And they're mostly made up of dust, and they block out a ton of the light from the stars. You can't really distinguish the stars in an IRR2 galaxy because they're hard to see. And some scientists have actually postulated that they're really just a dying IRR1 galaxy because the young hot stars didn't really form or mature into bigger, brighter, or bigger, older stars, and they eventually all that dust from just old, old space junk uh, eventually creates that dust barrier. So those are the four types of galaxies. You have your elliptical, your spiral, your lenticular, and your irregular. So now we're going to talk about basically the only way that galaxies can intervene with each other. Because if you look at galaxies in the universe, right, they're these huge sweeping structures moving in just nothing. Right? We don't no idea what might be in an intergalactic space. Um, there's probably something, but matter was very going to be very hard to come by out there. Just as hard. If you look at, you when you talk about the solar system, right, Voyager 2 just left the solar system officially, and it's officially in interstellar space. It's still inside the Milky Way galaxy. And so still there's this, a very small chance, but it still might come across something, right? When you go outside of a galaxy, that very, very minuscule chance goes down to basically zero. So you can look at that ascending scale of, as you leave a solar system, much less matter, because typically matter gets attracted by the sun and brought in, and then you get outside the galaxy that was attracting all the matter in the intergalactic space, there's basically nothing. So galaxies are moving through the universe, and just like anything moving without someone actually physically controlling it and stopping it, right, and moving them around and avoiding things like this, they might hit each other. So in our sky, we can see thousands of galaxies that are colliding. They're consuming each other. Maybe their nuclear bulges are actually where all that gravity is focused, right? They're actually taking matter from each other. Maybe they're just passing through. Basically, galactic interaction is almost never actually something physical, right? It's very unlikely that anything in two galaxies are going to hit each other when they collide. So, this is not just some far-off concept that we're not going to be involved in. Well, maybe not you or me, but maybe our descendants' descendants. The Andromeda Galaxy, which is our closest neighbor, <coughs> I use close very loosely, it's about 2.5 million light years away, and the Milky Way, our home, are very close on the galactic scale, and they're careening towards each other. When you think about the scale of that distance, it's surprisingly close. When you know that the Milky Way is 100,000 light years across, like we've talked about before, and the Andromeda galaxy is only 2.5 million light years away, that distance is only 25 times the Milky Way's diameter. It's like if you took a ball that was a foot across and you walked 25 feet away. You're not going to say that ball is very far away. Well, when we scale it up, it's the same thing. So in about 4 billion years, the Milky Way and the Andromeda galaxy are going to collide. Sounds exciting, right? Two galaxies clashing in the night, stars formation left and right, black holes consuming, uh, being torn apart, arm, bad Armageddon sci-fi trope, yeah, etc., etc. Actually, no. 
the distance between stars is so great, it's unlikely anything really is going to happen. Alpha Centauri is 4.4 light years from us, and that is our absolute closest star. What are the odds that something's going to hit our little solar system, which is not even a light year across, instead of that 4.4 light year gap? That's not very likely. So, in all likelihood, stars remain pretty much untouched. Now, the stars' orbits might be disturbed in the galaxy, but as long as we have our star and we have our planets, it's not really going to affect us. And actually, this is something that's ongoing. Galaxies are constantly consuming little stars, little galaxies. So the Milky Way is a, is a big, fairly mature spiral galaxy. And right now it's consuming two small galaxies that just got in our way. But it's going to be a pretty peaceful merger. And the matter from those two small galaxies is going to be brought into the Milky Way and help our galaxy on its way to becoming an elliptical galaxy one day. So... That's it for galaxies. It would appear that they are, indeed, more than just hot air. So everyone, thank you so much for listening to this revival of the universe in you. Um, please share with your friends without feeling ashamed. We're going to continue doing this. We promise. Uh, we're going to keep soldiering on. So I talked about earlier how our RSS feed is going to change. Well, let me just give you that RSS feed now. The new RSS feed for our show, and it's going to be in the show comments, is is uh, pinecast.com forward slash feed forward slash the dash universe dash and dash you. It's a mouthful. Look in the, the description for the episode. The new RSS feed will be there. So next week, you're going to be joined by Billy, my longtime friend, a first-time podcaster. Be kind to him. And he's going to talk about um, kind of weird things in our universe, uh, strange planets, weird stars, and... You know, kind of anything else that really catches his eye. Next week is his weird universe episode, basically. And that'll be coming out on December 24th. So if you celebrate that holiday on Christmas Eve. So this has been our show. If you enjoyed us, please, please, please uh, go to Apple Podcasts, rate, subscribe, review, all that, or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, please help us out and uh, spread the word that we are back and we're ready to go. All right. This has been The Universe and You by the Signifying Nothing Network, a tale told by idiots. Have a good, existentially unimportant week.